Welcome to the show, everyone. This is the Innovative Schools Podcast, and I'm your host, Robbie Lamb. So with the majority of the nation's schools being closed, there is obviously a litany of issues facing educators. And today I wanted to speak about how to engage students in an online classroom. I also wanted to learn more about how to monitor a student's progress in a virtual setting and how to handle the fact that not all students have the same access to technology. To learn more about how to overcome those challenges and specific strategies teachers can use to engage students in an online classroom, I'm speaking with Dr. Marquita Blades. Dr. Blades is an award-winning educator, an international speaker, and an author. She is also the host of the Dr. Marquita Blades Show, an internet-based broadcast dedicated to discussing current trends and issues in education. Also, Dr. Blades will be presenting at many of our upcoming Innovative Schools Summits, for more information on those, please visit InnovativeSchoolsSummit.com. So before we kind of get into some specific strategies, and we are going to talk about your top three strategies that you recommend to keep students engaged in the virtual classroom, we've heard a lot about kind of the negatives of the virtual classroom, the disadvantages of it, if you will. I was wondering... Are there any positives to the online environment that teachers should keep in mind? Absolutely. Uh, there are a couple of positives to the online learning environment that teachers uh, should keep at the top of mind. And the first one is that uh, this is a safe space for students who don't do well in a social setting. There are lots of students who would contribute, who would be great contributors in our traditional classrooms but for whatever reason, uh, they just don't have, um, or they just don't feel comfortable speaking up in that type of environment, or maybe the pace doesn't fit their learning style. And so those students tend to fall back and because they aren't uh, behavior issues, then it's easy for us to kind of overlook them and they just kind of fall through the cracks. And so I think this online learning environment provides a space for those students to kind of find themselves. Uh, they're in their comfort zone in a sense because they don't have the busy social interactions that comes along with being in the room with 25 or 30 other students. Um, but they do still get that group interaction with their teachers during the time that they do have that face-to-face -face video conferencing piece. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, a lot of times, like I said, we're getting caught up on the disadvantages of the online classroom, but th there are the advantages that you mentioned there. You know, some students who may often be overlooked in a traditional classroom might be able to um, get a little bit more special attention in an online classroom. And also, you know, for some students, unfortunately, going to school can be a little bit traumatic. You know, maybe they're facing bullying in the hallway or they have, you know, some anxiety, as you mentioned before. So I think it's important to keep in mind that while this is definitely a challenge and there are many, many aspects of how challenging this is, there are some advantages to the virtual classroom um, that are important to keep in mind um, in this time. So those are great. Those are some of the advantages of an online classroom that we may not have typically considered before. But obviously, there are a fair number of disadvantages to a virtual classroom. And I want to get into how to overcome some of those disadvantages. But before we get into how to overcome them, can we first talk about what are you hearing from educators? What are the, the biggest challenges that educators are facing having to teach online? A couple of the biggest challenges that educators have communicated to me 
about having to teach online is uh, the perceived lack of person-to-person interaction between uh, the teacher and the student, as well as from student to student. And another one I think is probably the biggest one is that teachers are not clear on how to structure their classroom environment. And so they're also having challenges with um, what strategies to actually implement so that they do maximize that time with students and that they get full participation and engagement. Talking into how to structure the, the, the lessons in the classroom environment, I would think part of that would be what can a student kind of do on their own? What could you, what kind of products or assignments could you give a student to do on their own versus what do they need to do like in a group setting, in a Zoom meeting or in a Google classroom, that kind of thing. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. And so uh, in the online teaching world, we call that the synchronous components versus the asynchronous components. Synchronous being, what are those things that teachers want to do with students while they have them in that live video conferencing platform versus the asynchronous components that students could do on their own? And because we know that in an online environment, we should really expect the maximum a direct instructional time to be no more than 30 minutes per course, then uh, that means the majority of lessons or learning will need to take place asynchronously. And so teachers will need to prioritize the time that they have in front of students uh, during that live class time. And so it should be um, devoted to really uh, modeling processes for students giving examples, showing them how concepts are applicable so that they can leave that virtual live environment with the teacher and then be able to uh, complete the assignments on their own or at least be able to refer to some pre-recorded videos and lessons that they can then follow. Also, when students are live with the teacher, that's where you want to uh, have that time for interaction. So you want to add in that person-to-person interaction. And that's where we're going to get into later talking about some strategies that we can use so that the students are actively involved and they're just not sitting there watching the teacher speaking on camera for the entire time. And so on that note, you know, in a classroom, if a student is working on something asynchronously, Obviously, the teacher can monitor them and their classmates are also kind of working individually. So it's just kind of a a setting and environment where everyone's sort of set up to do their own thing at that time. With it being an online classroom now, there's not as much oversight and it's just not an environment where you're surrounded by other students who are doing the same thing as you. So, So my question is, how can a teacher monitor a student's progress and hold them accountable in an online classroom? One of the primary ways to do that is just to maximize the tools that already exist within their video conferencing platform. And so those are going to be features like the chat box and polling features. And what teachers want to do, if students have been assigned an article to read asynchronously or a video to watch asynchronously, then they may want to open up that live session by having students complete a poll to get a sense of understanding of whether or not, number one, whether or not the students actually watched it, and then number two, 
what did they take from it? Did they really um, observe the things and, and get the points from it that the teacher intended? And also uh, using that chat feature, teachers can just ask students to uh, go ahead and put two things in the chat box that you noticed from this video, or they can ask direct questions and have the students answer those at the beginning of a session so that they don't have to necessarily go back and read that article together or watch that video together, but the teacher is giving uh, somewhat of a short assessment in the beginning before then jumping into the next content that they want to cover. So I'd like to transition into speaking about your top strategies for engaging students in an online classroom. And I know you probably have dozens of these, but we only have time to get to three or so today. So what in particular made you choose these strategies to share with our audience? The strategies that I'm sharing today, I intentionally chose these because I do feel that in addition to them allowing student interaction in the online environment, these are also strategies that teachers can implement that don't require them to do a lot of excessive planning because we know that this lift of moving into an online environment very swiftly um, has come with a, a huge learning curve for a Absolutely. lot of us, not only the students, but the teachers as well. And so I do think that if we're talking about getting a high level of engagement out of the students, this also has to be something that doesn't create an added barrier for the teachers and something that they can implement without um, having to do a lot of um, excessive pulling from other resources. Although we know that there are outside platforms that can and should be incorporated at some point, but these are ones that I think teachers can do using what they already have at their disposal. What would be your first strategy that teachers can use in the classroom to enhance online engagement? The first strategy I want to share for enhancing engagement in an online classroom is called the Socratic Seminar. And I wanted to share this one in particular because I know a lot of teachers do use this in their traditional physical classroom setting. And so it translates really well into an online environment. As we mentioned earlier, that time when we have the students in front of us and live on camera is going to be critical for helping students to feel that connection to their teacher as well as to their classmates. And so the Socratic seminar is an excellent way to get them uh, talking and engaging with each other. In the Socratic seminar, you're basically giving students an issue to discuss, and it could be based off of an article that they've read, a historical event, or, you know, anything, a current event, something that's trending in social media, anything that uh, is related to your content, as well as will capture the student's interest. And in the Socratic seminar, students will hold a discussion where each student will first start by giving their thoughts or opinions on said article. And then as the discussion continues, students will ask each, other's, uh, each other questions, questions to gain clarity on another student's opinions or questions regarding the source of information that students are pulling from to contribute to the discussion. As this is going on, this is requiring students to have critical thinking skills. They have to practice their listening skills. They have to uh, practice their questioning skills because in order to bring this discussion to a point of consensus, which is the overall goal of this activity, then students are going to have to be uh, paying attention 
and they're going to have to be drawing on their prior knowledge in order to know which questions to ask next to move the conversation towards a point of consensus. With the students being in an online platform, this is a great way to get them talking and interacting and also using the tools inside of that platform, as we mentioned earlier. So to keep the discussion moving on track and so that it does not become chaotic, teachers can instruct students to use the raise hand feature within their platform, or they can instruct students to type their responses in the chat box and then the teacher can go into the chat box and kind of call on students one by one to read off what they have already uh, put inside of the chat. And so um, another reason why I like this in the online format is because in the classroom setting, sometimes it's hard to rein the conversation in. Once the students become so engaged, they wanna keep going and going. But we know in that online format, uh, we are only gonna have their attention for so long, the maximum amount of time that we should be attempting to engage them should be 30 minutes. And um, the teacher can even set time limits within their platform so that they know this discussion will be winding down in five minutes. And so now this again draws upon students' critical thinking skills because now they think, oh, I have to summarize my final thoughts, make this last contribution, and then we have to wrap it all up. And I like that one because well, for a couple of reasons. One, the teacher isn't always the focal point of the attention, right? You're saying the, the students will kind of be presenting on an idea and the other students will be required to pay attention to that student. And also one of the cool things that is, and this would be one of the advantages of doing that in a virtual setting, is that chat feature, as you mentioned. You know, like if, if I'm a student and I'm listening to someone talk in a classroom, you know, I can't give them real-time feedback on what I'm thinking about their presentation. But via that chat feature, I can just put something in a chat real quick based on something I just heard. And almost that chat can almost be like a notepad almost for a student, right? Like, hey, here are the thoughts that I had about your talk while you were talking and kind of in real time. Absolutely. And the chat can be downloaded with the video. And so that can also be posted for students to review later. And for those students who still don't feel 100% comfortable contributing, they can go back, they can review that, they can put their uh, thoughts in the chat as you stated, and they're still being heard in a sense, even though they may not be verbally contributing to the conversation. Yeah, and you know, they're, you know, they could be more engaged online in that scenario than perhaps they would in a classroom. Because like you're saying, they're more hesitant to express themselves, especially in a group setting. That's a great one. So that was uh, the Socratic method is what you Socratic titled that one. Seminar. The Socratic seminar. So uh, be sure to try that in your online classrooms. So that was uh, one strategy. Uh, what other strategies might you recommend to help teachers increase engagement in, in an online classroom? Another one that I, I love to do in the traditional classroom that I think translates well is the uh, jigsaw okay. method. Uh, in a jigsaw, we're basically maximizing collaborative grouping. This is like collaborative grouping on steroids because the students have an opportunity to participate in two different collaborative groups within one activity. And the way it works is that students are assigned a home group. Within this home group, you're gonna have a particular number of students, let's say five of them. And those five students within each home group, um, or shall I rephrase that, 
each of the five home groups have the same goal that they are trying to achieve, the same assignment that they all must complete as a group. Now, within each of those home groups, each of those five individuals or four or six or however many uh, will be assigned a specific topic or role that they must fulfill. Once each group member uh, has been assigned their role, they are then going to pair up with all of the other students who have that same role from the other home groups. And so essentially students are leaving their home group and now they're going into a group that is centralized based on one particular topic. And once they get into those centralized groups, they're gonna discuss that topic at length. They, may be gonna, uh, they are maybe going to conduct some research together. They may explore some resources that the teacher has already provided so that they gain a better understanding of that particular topic. And then once that period is over, they go back to their home groups. And the idea is that each student is now bringing back expertise of a different topic to their home group so that they can now contribute to and complete that original assignment. And the way that this translates into the online classroom is that most online video conferencing platforms have a breakout room feature. And so I know for a fact, uh, Zoom, Google Meets, and Microsoft Teams all have a feature where you can place the participants into breakout rooms. Teachers can uh, set up these breakout rooms in advance so that when it's time to meet with the students live, they can send them into their home groups first and maybe give them five minutes to discuss and strategize. Then the teachers can send the students into their specialized uh, jigsaw breakout groups where they are going to become experts in those topics and then again, send them back into their home groups where they kind of put it all together. Um, ideally, I see this happening over maybe the course of two uh, virtual meetings um, because students will need time to discuss and collaborate within those groups. But again, this gives students a chance to not only interact with the teacher, but to interact with each other and to interact with a couple of different groups while they are uh, working on this activity and it kind of makes them feel like they're back in their traditional classroom because they do get that time to connect with their peers. And I like that one because I think it's important to remember that just because we're all in an online environment now and we're all in separate locations, that doesn't mean we can't break into groups, right? We don't have to address the whole class at once, we can divide those students up into different groups, like you said, and give them group assignments. And um, I think that's, you know, something that we might be overlooking. So that was the second strategy. You titled that Jigsaw, which is uh, emphasizing the ability to break students into groups using the different uh, technology platforms that we're using and work, allowing them to work on things together and then come back to the rest of the, the class and present on kind of the, their work together. So that was your second strategy. Uh, let's go over one more strategy. Uh, what would be uh, one more strategy that you would encourage classroom teachers to use to enhance online engagement? Third strategy is called five clicks away. This could easily be three clicks or four or six, however many. Uh, the way it works is that teachers will start students with um, a web page on a particular topic of interest, an 
as well as it being related to the content that they're learning, of course. And this webpage should be rich with content. And so it should have embedded videos. It should have links to other articles. It should have some pictures, some things that are just going to capture any student's attention. It's going to draw their eyes in different directions. Uh, my suggestion is that the teachers will drop the link to this web page in their chat box, and then they'll instruct students to go into the chat box, click the link. Once students click that link and they start to explore that page, they are instructed to then click on whatever grabs their attention the most. And so they're going to make that first click. They are allowed then to have up to five clicks from the first website. And once they get to that fifth, fifth click, that is where they are going to stop. They're gonna do a deep dive into whatever information they found there. They're gonna summarize what they learned and then students are gonna have an opportunity to share out what they found five clicks away from the original website. And so this makes for a very rich discussion because each student is gonna land in a different place. And you can have students discuss why they took that path of clicks that they did. And so that's going to then open other students up to some ideas that they maybe didn't have and pique their interest um, into looking into some other aspects of that topic as well. Obviously, there's a whole plethora of platforms that a student may be using to log in. Um, maybe some have iPads, some have phones, some have laptops. Um, however, some homes may only have one iPad and they've got three students. So and then other students, you know, they may not have access to the Internet at all at their home or their devices may just be limited. So for those students who are not able to um, log on, you know, with an iPad or a laptop or a mobile device. In this current state of where we're still trying to teach students remotely, how can a teacher handle that? How can they continue instruction with students who are not, not able to access, um, you know, the virtual classroom, like maybe some of the other students in the class are. I think we have to draw on some of the things that we've always done. It's easy when things shift as quickly as they have for us to believe that we have to um, come up with completely new methods and strategies, and that's really not the case. And so I think what's going to need to happen in the case of students not having access to online platforms is that we're going to have to rely on some things that we relied on in the past. And that means giving students uh, paper and pencil options, which is something that is highly suggested even in a traditional classroom. When we plan those technology days, we should always have a paper and pencil backup in the event that the technology fails. So we should always have a paper and pencil option for our students who are not able to access our content online. I think it's also important to note that having these paper and pencil alternatives is not the sole responsibility of the teacher per se. So the teacher needs to prepare these options for students, but it's going to take a bigger effort than just the teacher in getting these things into the student's hands. And so that's where our um, instructional coaches our administrative teams will need to also play a role in making sure that students have access to our learning materials. But definitely having um, a traditional paper and pencil, more project-based alternative that students can work on at home and work on at their own pace. 
you know, obviously students are at home now with um, their parents in some cases, in some cases, the parents are not able to be at home during school hours, but you know, they're not getting as much time face to face time with, with teachers. So the parent teacher relationship now, I would imagine it's more important than ever in some ways. How can a teacher handle kind of this new teacher parent relationship? Cause now they're really are co-teachers like they've never been before. I agree. I, I think that the parent and teacher relationship is going to have to become a lot more personal than it has been. Uh, back in the, the old days, I think it, it was very personal. And then as times evolved, we became more of, let's keep this professional. Let's keep this strictly professional and email me during business hours. And we don't give out our personal cell phone numbers to uh, parents. But back when I was a student, the teacher, it was nothing for the teacher to just knock on your door and they didn't even call first. They just showed up at your house uh, to talk to your parents about whatever their concerns were. And it may not go back to that extreme, but there definitely will have to be a level of personal touch added back in. And I think that uh, maybe teachers will need to possibly create short videos and send a link to the parents via text message, just checking in or just reminding students, especially those who are not logging in that, hey, this is week one of this project and this is where you should be. And if you need something, maybe um, open up phone call hours or maybe do um, a tool that we haven't used in a while, a free conference call where you get an 800 number and you can set up a telephone conference line. So even though students may not have an iPad or a laptop, maybe they can just dial in and listen to the teacher give a 30-minute overview of what those alternative assignments are so that they can uh, continue progressing and they're not uh, completely missing out if they're not able to join those live sessions. And then I think also just making those live sessions, uh, the recordings of those available so that when the opportunity opens up in the home for that student to access a device, they can go back and kind of get caught up on the things that they miss. But it's definitely going to uh, require us getting out of the boxes that we have placed ourselves in, and it's going to require us to um, just put a more human touch back into teaching. And that's something that uh, we have gotten away from for a myriad of reasons that we can't even get into on this podcast, but it's going to require us to uh, depend on each other and cooperate with each other in ways that I think we haven't done um, in recent years. Yeah, talking about, you know, maybe approaching education in, you know, in some new ways, which obviously we're, we're being forced to do at the moment, you know, kids know so much more about technology now than adults, right? Like, it's really not even fair how easily kids pick up technology. Um so I would think like what a great opportunity to allow the student to become the teacher in some ways. Absolutely. Um, I know when I was still in the classroom, if it weren't for my students, I would not be technologically advanced. Every technological advancement that I know, it's because students brought it to my attention and they were the ones who helped me stay adept and kept me up on the different platforms and all of that. So, yes, this is a great opportunity for students to be able to take over that facilitator role. And that's something that we've been urging teachers to do for years anyway. Talking about how to engage a student, like what better way to engage than, 
I mean, it's so flattering when somebody comes to you and says, I don't know anything about this. Like, I really need your help and being genuine in, in some cases. And, you know, in this current scenario, like what a great way to engage a student, right? Like, hey, I need your help. Like, really teach me how to use this piece of technology. Yep. Yeah. The best way to learn something is by teaching it for sure. You raised a good okay. point about uh, students having a better handle on technology than teachers. And I just wanted to briefly mention, though, that even though most of our students have grown up uh, with technology in their hands from, you know, the minute that they could hold something, it's also important to note, though, that the level of digital literacy that students have is sometimes not, um, is not sufficient for the task that we're asking them to do in our online class. Exactly. What do you mean by digital literacy? So by digital literacy, I mean uh, students being able to find, uh, evaluate, communicate information that uh, from online platforms and even to use online platforms in a way that is conducive to their learning. So students know how to create and upload videos to social media platforms, but when they're asked to do that in an educational setting, sometimes it doesn't translate. They, they know how to use the tools, but they don't know how to appropriate them for the learning environment. And so digital literacy just speaks to them knowing what's appropriate when you're using technology for education versus when you're using it for leisure and then knowing what sources to turn to when it's for educational purposes and what's valid and what are the type of, um, what types of information should you be paying attention to versus uh, which ones you should not and what should be influencing your thinking when it comes to completing your assignments versus when you're just getting on, um, getting online for personal reasons. And, you know, we talk a lot about soft skills and how teaching soft skills helps prepare students for life after school, regardless of what, you know, type of work they're going to get into. And, you know, for older students in particular, you know, I'm thinking about high schoolers who kind of, they can kind of see the end of the tunnel and they're thinking about what kind of jobs they're going to get and that kind of thing. Uh, they're getting closer to getting a real paycheck and all that. Um, what a great opportunity to teach them, not the soft skills, but like the tech skills that you'll need, like how to communicate in a business email, how, what kind of resources should you send your boss related to a project or how to attach um, an attachment and, you know, just how to communicate in that setting, you know, that, that could be one of the advantages to, uh, to the situation we're in now, you know, nowadays you have to have those kinds of skills to succeed in any real line of work after school. And so what a great opportunity for educators to teach st students like you're saying on, on that digital literacy that's really necessary these days, no matter what line of work you want to get into after school. It is completely necessary. You're absolutely right. We have to teach students not only the cognitive skills, the content, but they do need those technical skills as well. And having them work in spaces like Zoom and Google Meets and uh, Microsoft Teams and having them learn the back ends of those platforms is definitely uh, setting them up for the work environment that they're going to enter into. Almost every company now has some global aspect. And so even going back to the strategies we talked about with the jigsaw 
and the Socratic seminar, it just makes me think about uh, when students are going to have to work across teams in the work environment. And so that could even prepare them for those situations where, you know, today I'm on a meeting with this team of people and then tomorrow I'm on a meeting with that team of people. And then uh, what points of etiquette do I use with one group versus another group and getting used to the various cultures that take place? Because um, even though we may all work for the same company, we know that the accounting department has its culture and then human resources has its culture. And now we're teaching students how to code switch and uh, how they should conduct themselves when they're in different types of environments. And so um, this goes back to a question you asked earlier. What are the advantages to online learning? And this is a huge advantage because as you stated, these are soft skills that they are going to need in the workforce. So we've talked about a couple of strategies that teachers can use to increase and enhance online engagement in the online classroom, but obviously there's a ton more out there. And Dr. Blades, I know that you've put together an online curriculum that helps teachers kind of navigate this space. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, I am uh, currently running a 12-week masterclass called Powerful Teaching Strategies for Engaging Students Online. And in this course, I am walking teachers through a series of highly effective engagement strategies that they can incorporate into their online courses. But not only that, we're doing a deep dive into each strategy. We're modeling them so that teachers understand exactly how they're going to look in that online environment. We're looking at ways to make these strategies applicable across all content areas. And then we're also discussing the best online platforms and apps that can support these instructional strategies. And if uh, folks would like to get some more information on that, how can they, how can they find that course? Uh, people can find the course on my website, drmarquitablades.com. Also on my website, people can view replays of a few trainings that I've done since uh, this COVID-19 crisis has fallen upon us, and, and I had um, a lot of educators kind of reaching out to me, and so I did conduct a few live trainings on my social media platforms, and the replays of all of those can also be found on my website. And those are free, I believe. Is that those correct? are free. Yeah. yeah, and I've watched those, and those are excellent. So that wraps up today's show. Thank you so much for listening. For more information on any of our upcoming Innovative Schools Summits, please visit InnovativeSchoolsSummit.com. And if you have someone that you would love to hear featured on an upcoming episode, please visit InnovativeSchoolsPodcast.com and send us a message. Lastly, if you would take time to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Google Play or Spotify, we would greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much.